0: Horror Critic.
1: Good evening, horror fans. Welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt.
2: And I'm Chris.
1: And this is a podcast where my wife and I critique and argue over horror films like a couple of drunks at the bar. So, Maybe you never learn anything, maybe we never blow your mind each episode, (laughs) maybe our lemon squares taste like ass, (laughs) (laughs) but hopefully you just have a good time listening, so today we are, sadly, I think, uh, wrapping up our conversation on the Scream franchise with Scream 4, so this one came out in 2011, it was directed by Wes Craven, who... As I've been mentioning through this whole month, I'm just trying to list off, like, every fucking film he's ever done <laughs> and whatever I've missed. So, uh, so I'm sorry if I included one of these already and I forgot, but, he, you know, Wes is uh, responsible for, of course, the original Scream. Uh, Red Eye, which is kind of a fun little thriller. Oh,
2: <laughs> I forgot about Red Eye. mm mm-hmm. uh, Love Killian Murphy.
1: Uh, he's great in that. Uh, Cursed, which I don't remember if I mentioned this month at all, but, you know, Wes Craven's werewolf movie. How could I not love it? <laughs> <laughs> And Invitation to Hell, which is a really fun uh, made-for-TV horror film that I suggest you seek out and check out if you want. I, I think it's probably on Tubi or something like that. And Kevin Williamson once again returns uh, yes, for Scream 4 does. to write the script after <laughs> after Aaron Kruger took over for part three, although there were kind of issues between <laughs> Williamson and the Weinsteins at the studio. So Aaron Kruger did come in, uh, apparently, and do like little touch-ups and rewrites here and there but
2: (laughs) i love the drama that's involved with the later scream movies
1: yeah i mean it it happens with every fucking franchise you know like after 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 the first film it becomes the studio's movie and then it's all about how much can the studio tinker and toy and fuck it up so (laughs) fuck
3: the studio uh
1: but so yeah so when so williamson once again returns to write the script and scream 4 essentially is again following sydney prescott played by nev campbell who returns to Woodsboro after like 10 years or so to wrap up her book tour for her new book that she has out? And meanwhile, uh, Gail, played by Courtney Cox, and Dewey, played by David Arquette, are married now and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, <laughs> it turns out Sydney's cousin is uh, uh, played by Emma Roberts, Jill. Uh, her and her friends are being stalked and killed by Ghostface once again, and Nev and Dewey and uh, Gail, of course, get drawn into it all one more time, although <laughs> it's not really one more time because that waited for Scream 4. So anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so we are going to spoil everything that we can with Scream 4, so if you have not seen it, please do go check it out. Uh, I, it is not streaming that I know of, but it is well worth the rental. It Definitely. is Scream 4. It's amazing. Uh, there's a reason that a lot of people really, really love this one and some even rank it. Uh, at number two, or even number one in some of their screen breakings, which uh, which, is not high, which is not my ranking, but, you know, it's, it's a movie people love. So, anyway, uh, so we have our usual spoiler-free content before we get into that, though, so we'll let you know we're about to get into the spoilers, but... Uh, so as usual our releases for the week not a whole lot that i'm super excited about and i've and i've seen some of these so that's why but <laughs> but first up is a, a film called Slapface,
3: <laughs> what the fuck which,
1: which releases on shutter on the third um it's terrible I, it's not good all right like th- i i did watch this one i'm not reviewing it but i i can tell you now not that great <laughs> it's basically about this kid who kind of finds himself i don't want to say bonding because that's not the right word but basically he's like haunted by this witch that is kind of killing people in his life that you know harass and bully him so it, it, it's it got some interesting ideas none of it's well executed Aww. the reason it's called slap face is because he plays this slapping game with his brother which isn't really a game it's like an allegory for abuse basically or like, or like his brother <laughs> slaps him and then makes him slap him back and they just keep doing that and like
2: they're just slapping each other <laughs>
1: they're just slapping each other and saying things like, I hate you or get tougher, you know, like it's, it's not a game. It's just, it's just not a game. So
2: <laughs> boys will be boys.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a pretty ugly movie in a, a lot, lot of, of- ways. Um, the thing that I do appreciate about it is at the end of it, it does have a uh, card that's kind of, you know, discussing bullying and anti-bullying and stuff like that. So I appreciate it for oh, that. That's cause, cool. uh, Cause that's always something I like to see in these movies, but mm-hmm. Um, but Yeah, it's not great. Uh, I'm not going to say it's well worth your time. But if it sounds interesting <laughs> to you, check it out. It's not completely terrible. So. <laughs> and then another film, and this also awesome comes on the third on VOD, is Ghosts of the Ozarks. Uh, so this one is basically about a uh, a black man who's a survivor of the Civil War, and he's... Uh, essentially gets invited to this town by his uncle i believe to be their doctor and replace the old doctor and then when he gets there he finds out some uh, hand wavy bullshit about like ghosts that haunts uh the perimeter of the town and it kind of becomes this idea of like you know are you really free if you're trapped in this place which the town itself is kind of supposed to be like a utopia and then of course it's a horror film so is it really a utopia and you know, okay. th- this is my best way to try to talk about it without <laughs> spoiling anything, but... Sounds interesting. Um, it's it's interesting, and a- emotionally, it's a great film, mm-hmm. a- and it has some actors that I really love in it, you know, including David Arquette from Scream that we're oh, talking shit. about tonight, uh, Angela Bettis, who's in one of my all-time favorite indie movies, May. So it's, it has a great cast, and it, there's a lot of really good themes to it. I, I really like the way that they kind of, you know, discuss the sort of... Dealing with that trauma, all that (laughs) stuff's really interesting emotionally it's a solid film it just the the, the execution of the horror elements is uh, just very poor in my uh, opinion so that's too bad uh, so it's not a very exciting movie it kind of loses track of itself a lot so but you know it, it, it was fine, All right. fine. <laughs> better uh,
2: than slap face yes
1: uh so this one i should have a review out for by the time you're listening to this so go to killer you can read my review for it there and then lastly is a film called the long night and this is coming to VOD as well Uh, I don't know too much about this one it'll be out on the 4th but this one essentially stars Scout Taylor Compton who of course plays uh, Lori in uh, the Halloween remake from Rob Zombie Oh, and basically as far as I can remember it's about you know Scott Taylor Compton playing this woman who gets involved with either tracking down a serial killer or being targeted by a serial killer Yeah,
2: those are two very different (laughs) things
1: they are very different (laughs) things uh I have not watched this one yet. I, I, w- I should have a review for it up sometime this week, though, so keep a lookout for that again on KillerHortCrick.com. But, but so those are your releases for the week. Not a super exciting week, but, you know, hopefully there's something there that spikes your interest. Uh, so one last thing we'd like to do before we get in the spoilers is the tagline versus the film of what we think of the movie overall. So the tagline for Scream 4 was New Decade. New rules. <laughs> so, what do you think of the tagline? What do you think of Scream 4 overall?
2: Look, it's simple, it's to the point. I feel like this might be one of the better Scream taglines. I mean, they why
1: one of the better ones?
2: Well, because most of them suck donkey ass, what? they're you, not you, great.
1: You, you've been the one praising them the entire month.
2: <laughs> I can praise them and still think that they suck.
1: No, you can't. <laughs>
2: I'm changeable as the wind. I don't know. I, I do feel like this is one of the more like direct ones. But anywho, I... oh Okay, so I like Scream 4 a lot. I think it's really well done. You mm. know, I like some of the twists and turns. I think a lot of the acting's great. Having said that, this is a mean fucking movie.
1: They're all mean, Chris. Number three, them is it? Three. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but this one's We've meaner. We've been over this. <laughs> this one's meaner than most. Well, it had
1: to be. So, I mean, it, so look. It th-
2: It did. I agree.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, this this is the thing, and this is why I, I love Scream 4, is that, you know, it it, it does do a great—and we'll, we'll talk more about this, because, of course, we're going to talk about its remake commentary and all that. But, mm. uh, but you know, it, it was a response to the, the film and the genre at the time, as this franchise always is, and— you know, it, it kind of it had to go bigger and bloodier and <laughs> and meaner and more you know pessimistic and <laughs> and all that kind of stuff because that that's what fit into the time period. You know, uh, a, what a lot of people don't think about is how you know we we always forget that like horror very strongly reflects every decade uh, that it's in or every decade that those films come out during, right? Mm-hmm. And and to me, it's always been the genre that's most reflective of where we're at as a society because it talks about things frankly more honestly than a lot of other genres of film do Agreed. uh and and you know and our, our collective fears are always a pretty big topic and, <laughs> and thing that we can all relate to so but but you know so like if you go through history i mean 80s you know all those films are super fun and goofy because we're yep. all cracked up on cocaine you know and, <laughs> and, Ah, and,
2: god i miss it <laughs>
1: and and once we started getting to the 2000s you know with like 9-11 and all this kind of stuff like you know, the, there there's a growing pessimism and fear and darkness in the culture. And mm-hmm. so you, you did get this whole trend of just these, you know, forget the remakes. We'll get to that. But this whole trend of just, like, very cynical movies, right? Yes. You know, stuff like Hostel and Saw and stuff like that, you know, that are just very dark, grim, grotesque movies. <laughs> and so, you know, Scream's coming out uh, pretty much, like, at the, the height of that period or, mm-hmm. or maybe just after it, right? And so it kind of – it has to – not just blend into that and and fit the tone but but it's also doing it to you know kind of comment on and make fun of it at the yeah. same time so
2: Okay I definitely agree with you but I like the fact that you're just like well, it has to be, like, darker, meaner. No, Kevin's been mean this entire time. This is not a new thing <laughs> for him.
1: No, He's it's not that. just trying to fit
2: in with the time period. No, it's not, which is He's why— He's just a mean, mean man. No,
1: which is why it's <laughs> totally fine, and why and why for a very long time, Scream 3 has been considered the worst in the franchise, even though, again, I will say, I think it's great. It's
2: my baby. Um, <laughs>
1: it, right, And it, but it's why it's been considered that way for so long, because Scream 3 is by far the, the weakest on the grim violence factor, right? <laughs> yes. Like it, it is, as I said before, like a Scooby-Doo murder mystery cartoon, you know, and and so I think people's response to Scream Four was like, "Oh my God, it feels a lot more like Scream Again," <laughs> you yeah. know. So, but look, so so we'll talk more about that as we go, but uh, and can get into smaller territory but you know just a couple things I want to mention is because I don't know if I'll bring this up later on, but <laughs> the I ju- I do want to call out. A a point in the period that I hated, which was the look of some of these movies, and in particular, the look of Scream 4.
3: <laughs> what?
2: Because
1: I hate it. Is so it because like, there's
2: no neon?
1: No, it's not because there's no neon. <laughs> it's because... It's because the the lighting and the filter they're using makes everything look so like washed out and bright mm-hmm. that I feel like I need to wear fucking sunglasses watching this thing. Like, it's, <laughs> I I know it's not something you notice as much, but like if you but go back and watch this compared to other scream movies, and you will just see like how how bright the light is on these people's faces. You know, so like when you <laughs> it, God forbid just, they have lighting. <laughs> no, it's not about the lighting, Chris. They they literally look like they're like. Sh- they look like they're their own separate sun. And, like, they're just glowing like, like fucking aliens all throughout <laughs> this thing, you know. And it just and, – and, but, look, you know, that that was somewhat the style at the time. Like, that's kind of how a lot of these movies looked mm-hmm. uh, was this way, like, really just kind of murky coloring in the background and everyone's lit really bright, you know. And and that's – I mean, look, that was the look at the time. So I don't know if they're trying to – to to make fun of that look with this which you know indirectly kind of makes the film itself look bad you know uh like i I don't know if that was the case you know they use the same cinematographer peter deming who's a fantastic cinematographer does great work Mm -hmm. uh and and also shot uh scream two and three you know Uh, so so it's very intentional whatever the reason here is i just think that it's the worst looking of any of the scream films and that includes the new one scream five like it's the it's the one thing i cannot stand about this movie is the goddamn lighting (laughs) And now that I've gone on that five-minute rant about the fucking lights... Um, <laughs> I love
3: you, you fucking
2: nerd.
1: <laughs> Watch it again. You won't be able to unsee it, okay? It's just—it's so bright. <laughs> so something I want to mention that I also think is fun about this is that, you know, we, we've been talking throughout the month about how, you know, about franchises kind of like fighting, finding their footing as they go. Mm-hmm. And it's why it's really fun uh, doing these franchise discussions because you kind of get to... You know, back to back to back, like really get into and discuss, you know, kind of how these things changed as they went on. Yeah. And so like I was saying before, the first film is always generally considered the best for the most part. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part two is hit or miss. You know, you get really great sequels and a lot of times they are brilliant. Uh, and some of the favorites in the franchise, you know, which happened here with Scream as well. And then you get part three where it's it's very hit or miss, but usually that's where the film or, or the franchise finds its identity and kind of becomes what it's going to be for the next, you know, 20, 25 years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so on. And it, that happens so often, whether it's Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, we've talked about those. And, and Scream, I, th- I do think that Scream is kind of the same formula where look, whether you like Scream 3 or not, I think that that is where it found. This is what we're going to be for the rest of the time that we're doing this franchise, which is this kind of goofy, kind of scary, but still smart and witty franchise, Mm -hmm. and we're not going to be as scary and gruesome as the first two. This is bloodier, but it's not as scary as the first two. It's not as okay. it's not necessarily as dark as the first two. But it's not um, as
2: Scooby-Doo as the third one no, is. No, no, no. You're not letting me
1: finish. It's not about... <laughs> but but it's... Yes, it's not the Scooby-Doo thing, but it's still really goofy. Like, if you really watch this movie, like, it's fucking... It's funny. Like, you know, <laughs> this is a very funny Scream film, uh, more so than some of the others. And so so I do feel like, to me, this kind of solidified that of, you know, Scream 4 kind of becomes or solidifies like this is what the franchise is going to be now we're Mm going to be smart witty but also kind of funny you know yeah and and why i feel and and what really hits that home for me is just the way that the opening credits appear because the first three scream films you know they all kind of have like the the ringing phone and the scream and then like the slash through the title right Mm -hmm. and in this case this is the first scream film where the opening credits have like the actual mask like coming up over the darkness, and you get the title credits, and it's like this really fun hip song, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, it just hits on this idea of like, Scream has now evolved from a like popular scary movie to it's now it's now a party franchise. Yeah, you know it, it's evolved to that point where now this is like a you know Scream has become its own rock star. You mm-hmm. know the way that so many other popular horror franchises do. You know like Friday Thirteenth, its part three is where it became literally like a party film. You know, you're going there and wearing <laughs> 3D glasses and all this shit. Yeah. And, and so that's how these opening credits make you feel at Scream 4. It, it's now, this is what the franchise is. We're just going to have fun and we're going to have a great time doing it. So <laughs> <laughs> and I just still can't believe that this film was a box office bomb when it Aww. came out. Like, like, can consi- con- Compared to the rest of the franchise, this movie was a bomb. Even the fifth one. The fifth one has now made more money than it. So, oh. <laughs> uh, Which just surprises me, because so, so many people love this. But anyway, uh, so we've got to move into spoilers now. So if you have not seen the film, again, please do go check it out. Rent it if you need to. It's great. Otherwise, we're about to spoil everything we can with this. So get ready for that. <laughs> Let's start with the obvious with this one. And, and once again, go back to the opening. Mm-hmm. Because this is what the franchise so consistently does well is these openings aside from part 3 which is just kind of an okay opening but <laughs> I,
2: yeah part 3 does not have a strong opening
1: compared to these ones it's not it's not no. a mess. uh so 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 just I, I've ranted enough <laughs> like, five minutes. You start me <laughs> off. What, what what about this opening stands out to you?
2: Well, so I think it's interesting that you kind of say that this is one of the the scream movies that really solidifies it as a party movie. Because for me, if it is, it is kicking and screaming, getting dragged into that category. And I think that's obvious in the opening. because well, so? Well, so, like... Every other Scream movie, like you said, it's it's been like one scene, we get, you know, the stab, the scream, we, we cut to credits, whatever, whatever the fuck. But with this one, with Scream 4, they are keeping you on your toes because we have two openings because we have the first set of girls that is doing a very like typical quintessential Scream opening where they're kind of commenting on horror films, which has never really happened in an opening before. But we have the two of them kind of talking and then they get murdered and then it cues to the two blondes. It has Christian Bell in it who's amazing and I love her. Where they're doing the meta commentary on horror films before Christian Bell stabs her friend in the goddamn stomach. So by the time we get to the real opening of this film and our first two girls that actually get murdered in the real story... I feel like we're so off balance where we don't know where this movie is starting, I, and I think that's brilliant. I well, fucking love it.
1: <laughs> well, look, it is brilliant. I, I feel like I completely misunderstand what I mean by party movie, though, because you just described exactly the reason it is a party movie. Because because it doesn't follow its own? No, no. What I mean by party movie is like it, the franchise has now become so self-aware of itself mm-hmm. that you know, it's not—it's not asking you to take it as seriously as it used to, in mm-hmm. a sense. So I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's basically—it's okay. just basically the idea. What, what I'm trying to—what I'm trying to say is, by party film, the—the the film has become so iconic mm-hmm. that you would have like a scream party. You know what I mean? So, like mm-hmm. by so a like,
2: stabathon, if you will.
1: A stabathon, <laughs> if you will. Yes, exactly. Exactly. No, that, that this is this is actually a running theme through the film, is like the idea of reaching that iconic status, right? Mm-hmm. Is like it's become a party film in the sense that yes, you have stabathons now. You have <laughs> you have screamathons, right? Mm-hmm. Just like we have Nightmare and Elm Street franchise marathons and Friday the 13th franchise marathons, you know, like it, it has become a party where like you gather fans. Uh, who just love the iconic look of Ghostface, and they're there to party and watch Scream Four and have a mm. great time. And you know, again, that's that's why that's why you have the mask. I think in the opening credits, because and, and seeing that for the first time, because Scream has reached that just uh, you know. Uh, nearly unreachable iconic status of like you just it it has reached another level that most franchises will never get to
3: (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah with
1: with the fourth film if that i hopefully i'm like making sense now no (laughs) it
2: totally makes sense and look here's the thing that i'll give scream is that like scream does not with potentially with the exception of scream 3 scream is not a lazy franchise It is constantly, like, examining itself, and I feel like you get that with this opening, because, like, look, this opening does, both of them have inventive things for Scream that shows why that Stab movie would be slightly different, because, like, the first opening, we get two ghost faces right off the bat. Like, the next one with Christian Bell, which I want that fucking movie- I would like to see Stab Seven, please, because oh. I would like to see Christian Bell going and killing everybody.
1: I want to, I want to see all the stabs. I want to see, I want to see Christian Bell murdering people. I want to see the time travel. Stab. <laughs> right,
2: <laughs> we are deprived of this stab franchise, and like, it makes me sad. Yeah,
1: like, and, and no spoilers for 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 Scream Five, but I want to see Stab Eight. <laughs> you know, like, yes. I want to see every fucking stab movie, and, and especially when you consider like the 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 characters that were cast in the stab movies and who mm-hmm. played them you know like who the hell doesn't want to see uh Parker Posey playing <laughs> playing Gale Gail for like four <laughs> five six seven however many stab movies she's in who doesn't want to see her as Gale for like seven movies? You know who who doesn't want to see Luke Wilson playing Billy like <laughs> I
2: want this franchise so badly.
1: Yeah. No, for real. I I, <laughs> I mean you almost said that with the scary movie franchise because the first no. scary movie is basically that. No. But
2: <laughs> I don't, I don't like the scary movie franchise. Just,
1: no, yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's stupid. It's <laughs> I I hate that franchise after like part three, and even then it's like just dumb humor all throughout. But but it's not about the scary movie franchise. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> I'm just saying, yes, I would love Stabathon. but no, you know this opening is great because it, it establishes that again we have reached a new level of meta. You know mm-hmm. that this is the point. It's meta
2: on meta on meta. It's
1: meta on meta on meta, and the, it, this is the this is the point too, where like meta was becoming a, a more commonly used term, you know, which is why I love when Gale in the film mentions, like, how meta can you get? And Dewey's like, what? She's like, I don't know. I heard some kids say it, you know, like. That's how I and, feel every time. <laughs> well, that's because you're a special <laughs> part of your generation I that am. still lives in, like, the 60s. <laughs> uh, but no, but, you know, like, so So this is kind of when that term was becoming more common. And, and, you know, Scream itself had kind of, you know, sort of sort of brought that term more into society with how it was a meta horror film right Mm -hmm. again it's not a new it's not a new word at the time but it became more popular in the culture and anyway um you you know again this is scream four kind of saying like we know what we are now yes and and in being so self-aware of itself is how it allows itself to be so brilliant because you basically are taking you know all of these ideas and, and again this is a commentary on remakes so you're you know, you, you start with a very familiar uh, opening to the first film, you know, mm-hmm. the shot on the phone ringing and the girl answering it and all this kind of stuff. And, and then the idea of a remake is to take everything you think you know and flip it on its head and do something else. That's what a great remake does. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so this is kind of stream going like you are in new territory now where everything that you think is going to be uh, true to the original is we're now going to do something different to fuck with you, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I love that element of it, and yes, oh my god, Kristen Bell showing up in this—like, she's so great. She was just in a show on Netflix uh, called "The The Woman in the Window" and a whole big long ass title that I'm not going to repeat here, <laughs> uh, but it was amazing. She's
2: fantastic
1: because <laughs> she is so good as just like someone who can play creepy but kind of funny and all that stuff. So,
2: I want her as a serial killer. Give me that movie.
1: Yeah, we need that movie. But then, of course, you know, I, I can't, I can't get through this opening without talking about the the torture porn conversation, um, because because this is, I,
2: I love Trudy for it.
1: it I, I forget is Trudy the one who Trudy's the
2: one who doesn't like movies like Saw or Hostel because she feels like they're torture porn, and I concur.
1: Well, <laughs> well, you might relate to her in that you don't like those movies, but but why I hate Trudy <laughs> is that is that Trudy you know Trudy reminds me of um. She, she kind of reminds me of, like, a, a fan at the time. And, again, th- this movie is ever so slightly commenting on, like, fandom and mm-hmm. some of the toxicity that kind of exists within it and outside of it. And, you know, th- this one's a little more focused on kind of the, the toxicity that's outside of the horror genre. And so you have people like Trudy who are like, oh, horror is just dead bodies and people getting caught up and all this kind of stuff and, and and you know scream is kind of there to be like no we're a little bit more than that you know mm-hmm. um but anyway this whole conversation about torture porn it's just really funny because that it, you know i i will admit like this was a conversation that was so prevalent amongst a lot of us horror fans at the time uh, but then it's like as you get through it and you look back on it you're like it really wasn't that bad like we got a lot of great movies out <laughs> of that era you know and, and and to call it torture porn i think is so kind of reductive of like what the era was because you mm-hmm. did get a lot of really smart films during that time. Like saw was considered torture born, mm-hmm. but saw if I'm being honest, is one of the most brilliant franchises uh, that we've had. Cause like, you know, you watch all those movies back to back and it's like, I don't know how the fuck that they managed to so intricately connect all of these <laughs> through seven or eight movies, but they did it. You know? Yeah.
2: Well, I think it kind of comes off of, you know, the fact that cause like, look, look, I'm on the side of, of Trudy, but I think that, to your point, torture porn got reduced down to one sentence for people to say, hey, this new you know wave of violence is a lot more intense and a lot like more in-your-face than what we're used to in horror films, and we don't necessarily know how to deal with that. So yeah, it's but that's gonna, such bullshit, though. It is. You know, because I, people, I agree. You know,
1: like, if you think that, then fucking go back and watch the movies from the 70s. I mean, holy shit, <laughs> Cannibal Holocaust. You know, like nobody like, wants
2: to watch people eat a turtle. No,
1: no, nobody does want to watch people <laughs> actually eat a turtle on on screen. Like, oh, no, that poor <laughs> turtle. I I, I'm ve- I, I don't like Cannibal Holocaust for a lot of reasons. I, I, yeah. I, will, I will admit that it has its place in the history of horror. You know, mm-hmm. and you got to respect it for that. But no, actually killing a turtle on screen, fuck that. My point is, though, is that you know the the, the John. <laughs> the genre has always been really intense and mm-hmm. people just kind of why I'm not going to spend all this time on torture form, but like <laughs> why part of why I think that got such a strong response actually is kind of how, if you look at how our culture is sort of migrated more and more towards, you know, going back to like Hayes code era bullshit. Yeah. Like we've been talking about where like people are getting really offended by just like the dumbest shit, you know, like the mm-hmm. whole no sex and movies movement and that's it, stupid and so torture porn like that whole era it, why I don't like that name for it is that it it reduces what the genre actually is mm-hmm. you know and and it's kind of just it, it's trying to place the entire genre into this little segment of you know movies like Hostel, and again even hostile itself is, is a good horror film you know but, take
2: your word for it
1: but it's trying it's <laughs> trying to place them all into this small category of like oh it's just violence for violence sake and it's like mm. no that is not what the genre ultimately is so it just felt like a way to dismiss it which is why i love that you know trudy get fucking gets hers in this <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and there is a lot of that conversation of like oh you know because then you get it in the next opening which is the real opening (laughs) the the real
2: opening the third one and
1: and you get it from that where where the girls like you know uh oh horror is just this and this and it's so derivative and blah 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 and Mm -hmm. you know they're kind of making fun of remakes and what that had kind of become because there were a lot of bad remakes you know friday
2: the 13th um
1: but well that's your opinion but
2: (laughs) jason should not have tunnels
1: he should not, but it's not a terrible <laughs> movie. But <laughs> But no, so it's just it's just commenting on all that and, and she's trying to make fun of the genre and once again, you know, Ghostface is like, hey fuck you, horror box.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely agree with you, and Scream does, I think to your point, basically looks at you know, the violence in Scream 4 is a lot more intense than we've had in any other Scream film. Like, we've got more blood. We've got better kills and all that kind of stuff. And I think to your point, it's really showcasing, like, look, you can't just label it as torture porn. This is art. And this is cool. And look, you're here for the blood, but you're also here for the characters, which I think is a big part of that opening.
1: Well, well look, so, so I mean, <laughs> this is what's really fun to me about Scream 4 as well, is that, you know, so, so <laughs> Scream this is another example of scream being so fucking far ahead of the rest of the genre most of the time <laughs> most of the time
2: <laughs> all right uh,
1: and and why i say it is that you know so scream 5 is getting all the credit for being a you know quote unquote legacy horror film which is all the rage now you know like like halloween has mm-hmm. done it Texas chainsaw massacre is about to do it in a couple weeks uh, scream just did it you know this idea that oh, we we kind of uh, forget a little bit of some of the rest of the franchise and do like this direct sequel to the first film or something like that. And so obviously this Scream 4 is not doing a direct sequel to Scream. But what's interesting here is I do think it's still beating all of those movies to the punch because when Scream 4 was originally coming out, it was supposed to be, it was being interpreted as a remake, you know, like mm-hmm. people, people are thinking of it as a remake and it's more of like a reboot for the franchise, you know, which is why, once again, it is very clever. Once again, we're, we're going into it thinking like, oh, Sydney, Gale, Dewey, they could all die. We have no idea, right? Yeah. And, and, and it's good to feel that every time <laughs> you go into one of these movies because you don't want to go in thinking they're all going to live and, and know that for sure. So
2: they got fucking nine lives. I'm pretty sure they can't die.
1: <laughs> they're all cats. Uh, but <laughs> they're all just bags of cats wearing human skin (laughs) so it was ahead of its time in that you know here's this film where it's supposed to kind of be like a remake or a reboot but it brings back all these legacy characters on top of it so it's not Mm -hmm. truly a remake no because it's bringing them all back you know and it's not also dismissing the first film it's scream 4 so it's still a sequel so so to me it was kind of like the cleverest of the bunch because it's still a sequel it doesn't dismiss everything else Mm -hmm. but it's also bringing back your legacy characters and it's kind of like uh pull the rug out from you kind of move because everyone goes into this thinking it's a remake, but the trick is it's actually not because it's still all about Sydney Dewey and Gail. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that and that's what's kind of fun about this is you come back and I I, I personally love the state that uh, all of our legacy characters are in because mm-hmm. you leave that well actually <laughs> I guess this fits your point of like Kevin Williamson's a dick because. uh, I didn't say he
2: was a dick, I said he's mean.
1: Well, same difference. Uh, But, but, you know, this fits the idea of that because it's Scream 3 at the end of it. You know, we're left with this idea of like, oh, Sydney's going to hook up with Mark and Dewey and Gaylor are getting married and mm-hmm. they're leaving the doors open like they live in the suburbs. Like, oh, this is they're so happy now, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then you get to Scream 4 and it's like, they're all miserable. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> They're they're all they're they're all leading these kind of like miserable lives that that don't feel full where it's like. You know, Sydney's doing her book tour, but you know her life doesn't really seem that exciting anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. And and Dewey is like Dewey's kind of happy, but him and Gail seem to be struggling a bit. Gail's clearly not happy. Yeah. And and you know, it, it kind of strikes me as like they're they're all like Batman without the Joker. You know, like like Sydney, <laughs> Dewey, and Gail. All they they need Screamface in their life, or they need Ghostface in their life to like have a life you know oh that is a
2: sad sentence
1: it is a sad sentence but 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 it's 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 what they're playing into here because Mm -hmm. you've got all these characters that just kind of feel like they're they're trying to be different people you Mm -hmm. know they're like it, it fits into the remake commentary in the sense that they're there are all these people that are trying to kind of reinvent themselves. Like, I think that's actually one of the lines in Cindy's book is, like, about reinventing yourself. Yeah. And and that's what Gail's trying to do, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're trying to reinvent themselves just as remakes do that try to reinvent the franchise. And the the issue is it's not working. No. You know, it's not working <laughs> to reinvent themselves, just like so many remakes don't work for fans, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to say for fans because there's a lot of re- great remakes out there, but... <laughs>
2: But no, it's I agree with you. I think what we're really seeing with these legacy characters is that they are trying to move on and reinvent themselves, but they're trying to forget a core part of themselves. And, you know, that's the issue with a lot of remakes is they forget the heart of what their their movies are supposed to be about. And once you lose that, your remake has no hope. Because you've lost the quintessential point, and You've got the first
1: rule of remakes. Don't fuck with the original. <laughs>
2: exactly. Like, And that's the thing with this is that, you know, Sydney is a survivor. Um, mm. But she is trying so hard to forget all of that and move past it. I still think she's with Mark. There's nothing in this movie that says that she's not dating someone. There's well, just nothing that says that she is. Really, except for her one line to Jill where, you know, Jill asks, how does she deal with everybody staring at her? Mm. And Sydney talks about how she focuses on the people that she cares about, which I kind of took to mean that, like, she does, like, she's hooking up with Detective McDreamy. Okay, she's got... (laughs)
1: Detective McDreamy. Um, Yeah, no, well, so, so, and yes, and yeah, and the interesting thing about Sydney is that, you know, if you compare this to the previous films, like, Mm -hmm. she has change in a lot of ways you know like she's no she's no longer wearing that brown jacket that i was talking about last week i think where i was talking about how i feel like it kind of represents her being stuck in that memory of losing her virginia to billy in that all brown room right mm-hmm. Uh, she's no longer wearing that she's wearing bright tur colors not yeah. bright colors you know dark blue stuff like that but she's st- but nope. she's wearing colors she's not wearing brown and, and nobody's not, allowed so. <laughs> to
2: wear bright colors except for gail
1: true so but, you know, but she's doing that. Uh, Gail's trying to reinvent herself with with doing it, you know, with becoming more of like a suburban wife and writing novels. And, this is know, the she... most
2: bullshit part of this movie. Oh. Gail Weathers would write amazing lady detective books. She would write she... these great, like, fiction books about this badass
1: lady. She might, but I think part of the comment there is just fitting into, you know, kind of – Kind of what it ends up saying ultimately about like the film kids and the way they host this stab and like the next generation bullshit which is mm-hmm. that you know it, it, it's putting gail in this light of like well maybe gail you know maybe gail needs that inspiration of like real life horror to mm-hmm. <laughs> you know to feel anything or, or to get anything out of it you know and it, it's it's tying into this idea like that's talked about in the film where you know the the, what is it the the next generation's or or the previous generation's tragedy is the next generation's joke you know yeah and so that that part of gail not being able to write i think is just tied into that of like well without without you know uh uh, profiting off of real life (laughs) atrocities you know gail isn't the same writer
2: (laughs) she needs to be allowed to be bitchy otherwise she just isn't herself
1: is that sure. what you're saying? <laughs> More or less, yes. But no, I, I'm, sa- I'm saying that, you know, she she needs that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she needs that real life stuff. She needs to...
2: Yeah. I, I do think that, you know, when we look at specifically her and Dewey's relationship, it's the thing that bums me out the most about this entire franchise is that in every movie it gets painted that it has to be one or the other. They either have to live Dewey's dream or they have to live Gale's. They can't, like, come together and find some kind of, like middle ground. Like if they're doing Dewey's dream, which is what they're doing in Scream 4, then he has to be the sheriff, which Dewey should not be. He is a terrible police officer. He's dumb well, as a bag of rocks. And that's
1: part of Dewey's <laughs> trying to reinvent himself, isn't it? He's trying to he's trying to become more of the respected man, leader, whatever the hell he wants to but be. But he
2: can't. He's dumb. That's the
1: point, Chris. <laughs> they're all trying to be something they're not, you know? And that like, you know, the other films have all been about how they're trying to, like, legit just pretend like the past didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And and in this case, you know, part three was supposed to be them overcoming the trauma of it. Part four is now they're dealing with the parts of themselves that they don't love as much, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and part three w- was about that where they're kind of killing off some of that part of themselves. But part four is, like, they're trying to be better people and they're realizing, like, shit. I'm just that person that died <laughs> off in part 3 with that with that fucking double, you know? And and that and that's part of Dewey's thing here is that yeah, Dewey's the sheriff now. Still fucking sucks at his job. God, he sucks he's at still, his job. He's still a fucking idiot that screws up everything. <laughs> he's gotta be the only fucking sheriff in the world who would talk to Jill in the hospital bed, have her say that she got the same stab wound as his wife, which is not public knowledge. <laughs> nod calmly and then walk away like he didn't, you know, like she didn't say anything. Kind of <laughs> suspicious, and it has to be Gail that fucking tells him, like, you know, hey, that's a little weird,
3: <laughs> that's you know. True. So,
1: so Dewey is just. He's trying so hard in this film to keep it together, you know. He's got the whole scene where he's giving the press conference and Sydney's publicist Rebecca, played by Allison Bree, who's also amazing in this, <laughs> you know, is thrown off a roof, like right into an ambulance next to his press conference. Like it's just it, it's a symbol of like how much Dewey does not have this under control, you know. No,
2: he should just uh, be a trophy husband.
1: Right, right. So so again, the whole point is like they're trying to reinvent themselves, but they can't. They're they are these <laughs> they they have actually become The characters of their movies Mm -hmm. that to me i think is the the point and the irony is that they they have become that and so when you (laughs) so when you actually have kids later on during the stabathon wearing like you know gale and dewey cosplay so fucking weird it's it's weird but it's just it's putting the context this thought of like whether or not they are those people society has deemed this is forever who Gail Weathers is. this is forever who Dewey Riley is, and this is forever who Cindy Prescott is, and you <laughs> cannot change that you know so again, ho- the whole idea don't fuck with the original. that's what's going on here they're they're trying to fuck with the original by being different people, but you can't fuck with the originals <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i have I have to be honest, I feel like that's its entire commentary you know this movie is supposed to you know, kind of set up that it's all talking about reboots. And I feel like the end all be all message that Scream Four is that Scream Four has is don't fucking reboot movies. You can't fuck with the original, so do something new instead of trying to reboot stuff. And like I feel like we we constantly get that. I mean, look at fucking Jill. Jill is supposed to be our, like, final girl mm-hmm. um, setup, And I think it's a brilliant reveal at the end that she's behind all of this. But I feel like, at least for me, that's a huge commentary on, you know, this whole idea of doing reboots without really thinking about your franchise or anything like that. Jill just wants to be famous. Reboots just want to, like, profit off of the franchise that came before. And if you miss the mark with it, well, then Sydney's going to fucking take watchimits to your fucking face.
1: Yeah, well, p- part of the idea is, you know, don't fuck the original, but part of it, too, is also learn from the original, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so this is something else that I love that's going on here is that Dewey is the only character in this that has actually read sydney's book you know so like like her publicist hasn't read it and gail hasn't even read it you know who Uh, reads
2: self-help books
1: well it's not about that it's about i mean yeah look i never me i would never (laughs) want to read a self-help book the closest i'll ever come to reading a self-help book is reading like stephen king's on writing to talk about you know being a better writer but i'm not i'm not i'm not out there reading like overcoming my darkness by sydney prescott or whatever. Um, although maybe I'd read if it was Cindy's book anyway, the point, but no, but nobody has read this book, you know, and it's, and it's a running joke of the movie almost where it's like every person she encounters is like, Oh, I meant to read your book, but I never got around to it. And so it's like, you know, that's a little bit of commentary on the whole techno technological aspect of the, the scream movies and talking about our society and how we're, you know, nobody fucking reads anymore, <laughs> <laughs> which just seems more and more real every day. Cause the only thing people read now are headlines. <laughs> uh but but not only that but you know nobody has read this book and this book is all about lessons that Cynthia's learned from her life living these movies you know and so so i don't know it kind of feels like a joke to me that that's sort of poking fun at some of the remakes in the sense that like mm-hmm. well you didn't you didn't read the book you didn't you didn't learn actually <laughs> what the movie was trying to say or do you just kind of did a sort of copy and paste yeah. you know kind of novel to it and mm-hmm. And th- and this is why Scream 4 ends up being such a great commentary a- and remake itself, because if, if you want to look at it in any sort of sense like that, like a reboot, is because it it takes all of the lessons of the remake and the reboot of, like, how to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll also, of course, you know, understanding the point of the original and, and trying to do it better, right? Or Yeah. Or or if not better, do something different. Mm-hmm. And and it's it just it, it's what makes this movie so much fun because at every chance that you get, Scream 4 is flipping something on its head that you think is going to be, you know, the case. So like when you look at the original, you know, Billy is the killer, and here we have uh Jill's boyfriend, Trevor, played by Nico Tortorello, who's, you know, being set up to be the killer, but he's not, <laughs> you know, and, and he gets and shot we're in just, the dick. <laughs> Right, and it's just like – and they talk about the whole fake ending thing, right, where it's like you have – well, it's got to end at a party, but then you do the the fake out with that where it actually ends in the hospital – Uh, Mm -hmm. which, which I do love how, you know, black Christmas actually did this
2: (laughs) first uh,
1: first a little (laughs) bit before that. But, but, but that's the point is that, you know, it's, and black Christmas is an example of that, you know, where it's like, it ends where the original ended, or you think it's going to end where the original ended, but then it takes you to a whole different place. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so scream, like literally every opportunity it gets, it's, it's doing that where it just, it's setting up your expectations and then giving a middle finger to those. And Doing something else.
2: Uh, yeah, no, it's... Look, when it comes down to remakes, I have mixed feelings on them to everything that you're saying. A lot of times they feel like they don't understand where the movie is actually coming from. So that's why I think it's perfect. As much as I say that Kevin's a mean, mean man, because he is a mean, mean man, bringing somebody back on who understands the heart of what Scream is about kind of showcases why number four is such a successful remake if you can even i don't know can you even really call it a remake considering jill dies so. at the end
1: no i i don't <laughs> consider it a remake which is you know which is why i think like i i think you're getting the wrong thing from scream 4 if you try to look at it as a remake or even a reboot which i mean mm-hmm. it was sort of intended to be a reboot you know they did have um they did have plans for a part five at the time that, mm-hmm. that involved bringing back some of these characters. And, the, and you know, this was before Wes Craven passed away from brain cancer. So it's like they, they, they had originally intended to be somewhat of a reboot. But I think that, you know, with the way it played out, I, I like not looking at it like that. And I mm-hmm. like looking at it as just another scream sequel that is kind of you know taking a knife to the very idea of remakes
2: (laughs) yeah and it's look this movie accomplishes it so brilliantly because yeah you have all these expectations of scream to be doing certain things and you know this movie really lets us know in this opening even kind of briefly going back to that that everything that you expect to happen is not going to happen. My favorite, personally, is um the scene where Olivia dies, where we have the whole phone call with with Kirby and Jill talking with Ghostface, and we're all expecting Ghostface to jump out of Jill's uh, closet. That's what we're expecting and we're gearing up for. And so the moment that he jumps out of Olivia's is brilliant. And, you know, throughout this entire movie, we get all these great homages to earlier screen films, but they're done so well that... that's how you do a remake scream crawl whatever robbie ends up calling it at at the film club
1: yeah it's why it's why i like the whole the whole jill line where she's like you know it's not it's not about killing you it's about becoming you you know (laughs) so like if you if you want to look at jill as you know the very like Symbol, a symbolic representation of the remake itself. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, that's kind of what Jill is to me. Is it sort, you know, because she's supposed to be the Sydney, right? Yeah, she's like the the remade version of Sydney. You know, that fits into this more cynical, darker (laughs) kind (laughs) of world that we live in, where it's like the girl that you think is the final girl is actually the killer. You know, yeah, um, like it's so it's so perfect for that era. Yeah, that line. It's like it's about becoming you. You know, to me, that's what these remakes are. Is they're like I'm I'm not trying to. Uh, do something different than you I'm trying to become you and it's mm. like it's like no that's why Jill dies because you can't you can't just become Sydney you have to be something else you have to be someone else you know yeah that's what makes the successful remakes work like when you look at John Carpenter the thing right like mm. that's a successful remake because it's nothing like the original film it's very different <laughs> you know and, and this and this ties into I think what is the most fascinating aspect of Scream 4 which is of course the whole like social media element and the other sort of advanced commentary that it made which was this idea of toxic fandom right yeah and kind of what social media was going to do to us and i think that you know for me personally this finale in scream 4 is what cements it as just an all-timer great scream film and a great sequel is because of the whole jill thing like Mm -hmm. jill's Jill's motive, Emma Roberts (laughs) going fucking crazy and just losing her goddamn mind in the ending and like Smashing
2: her face into the painting.
1: Just smashing her face into everything. I love that in the hospital, in the hospital setting, they give her like the the red eye that's kind of bleeding, right? And they just make her look really fucking psychotic. And it's funny too, because Emma Emma Roberts isn't even in the horror film. She doesn't like them, they scare the shit out. So
2: Well, she's really good at
3: them.
1: She is. She's really good at them. You know, this was her debut horror feature, and then of course she went on to do like American Horror Story and all that stuff. But, but no, she's really good at playing a psycho. And <laughs> I think, I think just this whole, I, I just Scream Four was so brilliant in how it predicted, I think, Toxic Fandom and where we are with it. Which again, I think it did before and better than Part Five. Um, <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> but, but you know, this idea like. Like, Jill, like, Jill just – God, every bit of dialogue with her is just great because, you know, I, I love when she's, like, um, friends. I don't need friends. I need fans, you know? Yeah. And, and that's – oh, my God, is that so true to the life that we live in. Like, <laughs> You know, I, I have all of my personal thoughts about social media and Twitter where I spend a lot of time, you know, and just, like, there are just so many people there that I'm not going to name names. But there are just so <laughs> many people there where I watch how their account acts, or I see how their account acts, and I'm like, you are totally a Jill. You, th- <laughs> you, think, you think that you're a Sydney, but you are a Jill. <laughs> because you don't actually give a fuck about people, you just want fans. And so you have reduced your personality to like one fucking thing... Uh, because you want to be Jill and you don't actually have any skill whatsoever in anything else <laughs> except for fucking making fans on Twitter, you know, which is a skill. I'm not going to yeah. mean that that's a skill, but I'm just saying like, you know, it, it's just Jill. Jill Jill is so correct about and, and Kevin Williamson's script is so correct about where we were going as a society where it's like it. it is not about anything but just being famous, you yes. know? And, and And fame from nothing. But, you know, just, yeah, just the, like the Kardashians are a great <laughs> example of this, you know? <laughs> fucking talentless people who are just famous beyond belief to where they get fucking meetings with the president <laughs> because they have money, you know? Like- <laughs> you
2: look, this is... This is what I love about the return of Kevin to, you know, writing the scripts with everything like that. He does a such a wonderful job of mixing all of these different levels. And look, I look at Jill at the end, and this is the exact reason why I'm not on Twitter. And I don't do social media because, look, at the end of the... Well, day,
1: that makes you a weirdo, but I am a
2: weirdo. <laughs> but look, I very much am of the mind frame that, like... You know, when you do social media and stuff like that, you have to do it for a purpose and for a heart. Like, you know, you're doing all your commentary and, like, reviews of horror films. You're coming from a real place. Whereas for me, I have interesting to say mm. and so you know I think that's for me you know with Jill at the end it's if you're just doing this to get fans like Sydney pointed out you're gonna trip up you're gonna make a mistake
1: well, well and this this in and of itself again is is kind of poking fun at remakes right because mm-hmm. you know the now look I'm not gonna say that this is that this is the reasoning behind every single remake out there you know mm-hmm. uh, but but yeah we, we can probably agree 50% of the time at least, you know, stu- big studios doing these remakes are one hundred percent in it for the money. You know, yes. it's it's not about like when you do a like look. I, I love, don't give a shit about my boy. <laughs> like look, I, I love the remake for Evil Dead, mm-hmm. but that remake's all about money. You know, yeah. and uh, you know, it, it's not it's not Sam Raimi. Uh, pouring his heart and soul and passion into this indie project to try to get a career for himself. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, filmmakers like Fetty Alvarez who were still building a career for themselves and he pours all of his heart and passion into it, but it's not, it's not coming from the same place, you know? Yes. And, and so that's kind of, I think what this line from Jill is kind of supposed to be about is that, I mean, obviously it's commented on us as a society <laughs> and, and uh-huh. how, it, and how it's taken, This this separation from violence and media to a whole new level Mm -hmm. where, you know, to me, that whole thing is kind of like saying, if if you put it on a camera, it's not real anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh like how you've got the kids like living their life, you know, on the internet and and it's and it's all about this recording everything and whatnot now. You know, that that to me is just like it's a detachment from reality because if it's not on camera it's not real it's why fucking robbie played by eric nutson you know it's why it's why i think he reacts so slow i mean i know he's drunk but it's why i think he reacts so slow to ghostface opening the door because there's maybe a brief second there where he's like oh this isn't real because it's on my camera it's on my phone right but yeah it's just that that, the the whole idea of like i don't need friends i need fans is basically you know i i don't i don't need heart and soul into this i need (laughs) i need just like mindless you know dollars or whatever uh yeah but but look the i the most fascinating part about though is the the idea that everyone is a victim in this movie you know Mm -hmm. there's this like battle for victimhood uh all throughout Scream 4 where you've you know you've got uh you've got mrs roberts saying i have scars too no one ever no one ever asked me about my scars and and jill is like jealous that sydney has had this Horrible life of you know watching everyone around her die and you know be stabbed and shot and all this kind yeah. of stuff and Jill's like jealous of that and it, it just it 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 further is 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 you know putting it all out there for us to see this fucking toxic idea of like you know of what Jill says you need something bad to happen you need to be famous and it's mm-hmm. like now people just live in misery. <laughs> to, for fame you know and it's all over twitter where it's like all, all these people that are you know posting things that are trying to start fights or they're trying to like complain about everything and it's like it's literally just for fucking likes like why do you live in this miserable cloud <laughs> just be happy sometimes
2: i mean i feel like again jill sums it up with the line where she tells sydney sick is the new saying
1: yeah, which is so chilling because holy oh. shit has that aged well. <laughs> yes,
2: and awfully. Because, yeah, to your point, it's, it's the truth. And it's, you know, I think with with Scream 4, you, you brought it up with Robbie, there's a sense of detachment even with the younger generation in the Scream film. They're so detached from the reality of what happened to Sydney, what happened to the sheriff, that they're trying to emulate it. They're fucking chopping up their friends because they want likes. How fucked up is that? Like, and I feel like on top of that, we see that even more when we, you know, when we meet the film club and we look at them hosting, goddamn Stabathon after people are getting murdered. Like, I'm sorry, but I would never want to live in Woodsboro. These kids are fucked up and they creep me out.
1: Yeah, well, when when your next generation's comment on the awful murders that have happened in your town is well at least Woodboro is known for something like
3: right. no that's not
1: okay like you know I I, I don't I don't I don't I, don't, I don't want to grow up saying well at least my town's known for Gacy like who the hell wants to be the town known for that you know like but, no but, one but, but I mean that's what's you know I mean that that's kind of the sick part of it is that you know that's that's how it is kind of living as a human like you know you 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 get separated enough from something that suddenly it's not really real in a lot of ways you know mm-hmm. like like a lot of us like like consider our grandparents for example you know our grandparents that lived through uh world war ii like they don't want to talk about world war ii like they're, they're fucking scarred from it and it mm-hmm. was traumatic and all this kind of stuff and meanwhile the rest of us you know like my generation makes fucking world war ii jokes all the time you know so yeah. it's like but we do start wrapping up here but one thing i want to mention about jill because of ram we've rambled enough about everything else uh one thing i want to mention about jill really quick that i just found interesting is that You know there's there's lots of little subtle hints uh all throughout scream 4 that are fun to go back and check out and you know one of those is that like if you look closely you can actually catch speaking of you know recording everything and and being separate from the violence of it all you can actually catch jill recording different kills at times like when 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 their friend gets killed across the street you catch jill briefly with her camera In the window, kind of, like, recording it. Oh, shit. But then another fun thing that, you know, there's movie posters all throughout. And you can actually catch that the poster in the back of Jill's room is an American Werewolf in London poster, which I like because it kind of hints that Jill is, like, this monster underneath, you know? She's (laughs) She's, like, this cute, you know whatever girl next door on the outside, boy next door on the outside, as he was an American woman from London. Mm-hmm. But on the inside, there's like this ravenous <laughs> beast, right? That's just getting ready to rip you to shreds. Uh, and it just seems so out of place for Jill to like have that poster on her bedroom door. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> Leave it to you to assign meaning to a poster on a door.
1: <laughs> there's a reason it's there, Chris. Uh, <laughs> and actually one of our listeners, uh, James, uh, left a comment for us and his Twitter handle is at Shannon Morant, S-H-A-N-N-O-N. M-O-R-A-N-T. Uh, but he had a question about this, so I thought I'd throw it in here where he wanted to ask what we thought of the reveal of Jill being the killer.
2: I fucking love it. I think Emma Roberts does a great job. I think Jill is psychotic and really, like, I like the fact that it does lean into where we're at today with social media things. So, yeah, I love Jill. Jill might be one of my favorite killers and might be one of my favorite reveals.
1: Yeah, no, I think the reveal's great. I, I, the thing that I always love about these films is that, you know... <laughs> It's always easier. It's always easy for us to say years later, like, oh, yeah, I knew they were the killer or, you know, whatever. But but I think most of us could admit, like, you don't know that it's Emma Roberts the first time you're seeing this movie, you know, like it, it does, I think, set it up well enough that that you think that she is being set up to be the next potential sydney if this is in fact a reboot Mm -hmm. and and granted you know we don't get to spend as much time with her as maybe we would have liked because she is the killer so we can't (laughs) (laughs) but i do think that it was still a huge twist to have emma be the killer because this is you know this is before i think emma was really well known for like her horror stuff so no yeah i love it james i thought it was great but anyway so we gotta start wrapping up so who is your killer idiot of scream 4
2: Oh my god, so many people in this movie are idiots, but I'm going to give it to to Rebecca, uh, Cindy's publicist, because she gets out of the goddamn car. It's not like her keys are out there. Her keys are in the goddamn car. She knows Ghostface is on the outside. Why would you leave that car? That's how you're guaranteeing that you're going to get murdered. Stay in the car, you can hit Ghostface with your car. You can get away. Dumb dumb.
1: Yeah, no, Rebecca's pretty dumb. I thought the same. I don't know why she wouldn't just drive away in that situation, but... uh, but mine's going to be Jill because she is kind of a dumbass because <laughs> <laughs> just like Sydney says, you're going to slip up and Jill is kind of the worst at not slipping up at this. Like yes. she's, she's the opposite of Sydney. She does not have nine lives, you know, because <laughs> uh, I mean, for God's sake, she deserves to be caught. Telling you know, Dewey the thing about Gail's shoulder and yep. and not making sure that Sydney's dead, like, bitch, you stab Sydney in the gut, like shoot her in the face, you know, like do her.
2: <laughs> The only way to guarantee death you and sh- stab is to stab someone in the back.
1: <laughs> you should have read Sydney's book and double tapped her as was the first lesson from the first stab movie, Jill. Yep. <laughs> You know, so so again, not paying attention to the original and what it was trying to say. (laughs) Uh, What about your killer death in Scream 4?
3: Look, for
2: me, that goes to Jill because the bitch fucking gets like paddles to her brain and then she gets shot in the chest. It's just such a great death.
1: You know, that's a good one. Uh, I personally like the knife to the forehead of Officer <laughs> Jenkins, who you argued with me over and over again that that could not actually happen, but this is actually based on a real thing that happened that Wes Craven read where someone got stabbed in the forehead just like this and drove themselves to the hospital. <laughs> so,
2: I'm not saying it can't necessarily happen, but you did
1: f- say it his can't partner
2: happen. got stabbed in the back five seconds before, and he died first, and that seems like bullshit.
1: And I told you, if you get a severed nerve in the back, it could instantly kill you like that.
2: I don't buy it. (laughs)
1: Whatever. Um, It's a horror movie. You're not supposed to buy all of it. What about your killer MVP of Scream 4?
2: Look, for me, that goes to Emma Roberts. She's such a talented actress, and to be able to have Jill go from this very innocent girl next door, which I think that she pulls off, until we get to that end scene where we can see Jill starting to slip, and it's such a nuanced performance, and then her you know, crazy moment at the end, she's just so fantastic, and Jill really makes this movie for me. So good job, Emma Roberts. You might not watch horror films, but you're fucking good at them.
1: You know, I mean, I'm going to say Emma as well, because I, I do think that her whole thing in the end kind of makes this movie, you know. I don't think Scream 4 is the same without Emma Roberts. Mm-hmm. Of course, I want to give a little shout out to to Kirby as well, played by Hayden Panettiere, who we haven't talked mu- about much, which, you know, partially is because of the unfortunate fact that, you know. Kirby's not really a, an important character yeah, in the movie. But we uh, love other, her. Other, other than to, you know, kind of pseudo rate the Toxic Film Bros. Mm-mm. But <laughs> who also didn't mention Rory Colkin during this, who is another fucking great actor, And killer in this, who
2: Charlie's the worst, he is so gross. And good job on Rory McCulkin for making Charlie just like the grossest dude in this movie.
1: All right, so one last thing we'd like to do before we wrap up here is our audience reaction and kind of what you all think of the film. So every week on Twitter at Killer Critics, put up a poll kind of getting your thoughts and feelings. So between Love It, It's Fine, Don't Like It, Never Seen It, where do you think Scream 4 falls?
2: I think Scream 4 gets a love it. I think enough people really like this film that it could be love it.
1: Uh, yeah, no, so it is a love it. This is a really popular sequel. So it got 54.9% for love it 28.7% for it's fine 11.5% for don't like it and 4.9% for never seen it. Uh, so we always like to get your comments as well. So these are all from Twitter at uh, sinful underscore redhead. So that's S I N N F U L underscore redhead uh, says this is and this is my friend Sarah. She has a podcast. You should follow her and check her out. Uh, She says, this is probably going to get me killed, but Scream 4 is my favorite in the franchise. I like how they based it on the remake era, and I absolutely loved Kirby's character. When she names all the remakes in order to save Charlie, that was my favorite part.
2: I agree with you. Kirby is fantastic. And look, this is a really great film. So, no, you're 100% in the right for having this be your favorite Scream film.
1: Yeah, no, my, my, my response to that is just, like I told you on Twitter, Sarah, you know, uh, it shouldn't get you killed uh, whatever whatever is our favorite is our favorite mm-hmm. you know everyone's allowed to like what they like and so if you like scream for the best of the franchise you like scream for the best of the franchise and anyone who's going to give you shit for that can fuck off because that's <laughs> the exact toxic <laughs> fandom that this movie's talking about you know yep. so <laughs> so if there are people out that are like you know that are acting all dude bro like charlie and giving you crap about it fuck them
2: <laughs> remember <laughs> just- charlie dies in the end <laughs>
1: Exactly. Charlie <laughs> dies in the end. So so no, yeah, it's okay that this is your favorite. Um, but anyway, thank you at sinful underscore reddit for the comment. Appreciate it. Next is a comment from at dar, dar Finch. So that's D-A-R-D-A-R-F-I-N-C-H. And they say, still my second favorite of the franchise, has my favorite opening ever, some of the most brutal kills. The killer I did not see coming, and Kirby, who is queen of the horror nerds in this franchise. Sorry, Randy.
2: <laughs> I agree. Sorry, Randy, you have 100% been replaced by Kirby. Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed everything about Scream 4 that makes it amazing and why people should love it.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that are like, why does everyone like Kirby so much more than Randy, or why does everyone give Randy shit? And, you know, <laughs> I, I think I think the simple response to that is that, like, you know, look, at the time, it was great to see Randy in Scream, you know, because he represented us horror nerds in a sense. Yeah. Um, But Randy also represents another side of fandom that, you know, isn't always all that great, which is that kind of pretentious fan <laughs> that kind of thinks they're smarter and better than you in every category. Yep. And, and it's why I think so many people love Kirby because – Kirby is not that fan. You know, Kirby Kirby doesn't necessarily seem to look down on you because you don't have a certain bit of horror knowledge, you know. So, um,
2: and it was representation for the female nerd fans.
1: Also that, which is great because yep. we don't get nearly enough of that in the genre, nope. especially up to this point. <laughs> so, uh, But anyway, thank you at Dardar Dar Finch for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at Half Horror. So they say, I think it's brilliant. They're commentating on the contemporary obsession with remakes by having a killer literally try to remake the film around Sydney and the others while they're still there. The whole third act is on a goddamn rocket sled, and the kills are fantastic. And you know what? I even like the fuck Bruce Willis joke. Yes, it's stupid (laughs) and nonsensical, but that's just it. It's the kind of joke someone would make after suffering severe head trauma. He thinks he's being funny, (laughs) but he's really dying, and that's actually kind of (laughs) creepy.
2: I love the definition of why the explanation for why he's making that joke that's perfect.
1: (laughs) We're all just trying to explain to you Chris why that's a great moment and why you shouldn't have argued with me so much about it while we were watching these movies. (laughs) Look, I
2: will argue about everything because it's fun.
1: Yeah, no, but but I completely agree. It's a brilliant movie. I really do think it is. I think it's Probably the best commentary we've gotten on remakes. And, nope. <laughs> you know, of course, that's what Scream does for us. Scream comes around every few years to be like, hey, so this part of the genre, ha you know. <laughs>
2: hey, fuckers. Or so or so, what
1: society's <laughs> doing right now, stop it.
2: <laughs> cut it out, guys. Um,
1: cut it out. Bad, bad horror fans. <laughs> um, but anyway, so thank you at half horror for the comment. Appreciate it. Next is a comment from at narcotic casser1. So that's narcotic, C-A-S-S-E-R, and then the number one. And they say Scream 4 elevates the franchise to an essential satire, not just of trends in horror, but cinema on the whole, a trend which Scream, the new one, continued with equal efficacy. Horror remakes were a plague when this one came out, and we really needed Scream back to comment on it. The killers here are a perfect personification of the generational divide and how the privileged young look at a tragedy through Hollywood's sexy lens and only see the fame and notoriety and not the pain and misery that came with it. One generation's tragedy is another one's joke.
2: Damn, yeah, that's correct. It, look, this is what I love about the Scream franchise is that, you know, it doesn't seem like they just make these movies necessarily for funsies. Scream comes back when there's a new trend in horror to Mad's point to tell us to stop doing certain things. Otherwise, they will murder the representations of that.
1: Well, not necessarily about stop doing certain things, but more, more just like, you know, understand what you're doing. Ha- have a have a love and respect for what you're doing. I mm. think I think that's the ultimate thing with it is like, I, I am one of those people who I, I do love a lot of remakes. I don't get the conversation around like, oh, remakes bad, you know, because the way I always look at it is like, look, I don't care if you remake Friday the 13th fucking 70 times. I will see it every <laughs> every one of those 70 times, you know. It's fucking Jason Voorhees and Pamela mm-hmm. Voorhees, and I love them, and I will go to the theater to see them over and over and over again until you stop making them, you know. <laughs> and, and, and so so I always view remakes as like this opportunity to To get more of the character for us fans, but mm-hmm. then to also kind of bring it, bring that whole franchise to light for the younger generation, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't hate, I don't, I don't dislike remakes inherently, but I will agree with Arcana kind of Castor one here that yes, that that was the mindset at the time is like, okay, remakes are like all we're getting right now, you know, it, and it did feel like that. It felt like every major studio release was a remake at the time, mm-hmm. which is why Hayden Panter's Kirby's speech with the whole you know listing off every remake uh is hilarious because <laughs> she she lists like what feels like 30 of them you know yep. and and that was pretty much the case between the early 2000s yeah like every fucking other remake <laughs> or every other movie coming out was a fucking remake so. <laughs> at least from the studios you know you, you had to search like the uh, you you had to search like direct-to-video indie shit to find the good stuff at the time <laughs> But again, a lot of makes good. Anyway, what am I saying here? Uh, I'm saying that, yes, Narcotic S1 is yes absolutely correct. And like I was saying before, you know, this movie is a great commentary on that idea of the generational divide and how we all kind of, you know, again, like like Dewey's great line. The next generation looks at the previous generation and makes a joke out of it. Mm-hmm. and And that's what... That's what film did with horror movies, you know, and, and with the whole meta era and the and the lesson that they did not take from Scream. <laughs> and, which is why I love Scream 4, kind of coming back 10 years after Scream 3 and being like, listen, motherfuckers, <laughs> you missed the point. <laughs> <laughs> you missed the point. Like, we're not. We're, this is what you should not be doing right now. <laughs>
2: what the fuck is wrong with you guys?
1: Um, but anyway, thank you at Narcoticaster one for the comment. Appreciate it. And last comment is from at Halloween Year Rounds. That's Halloween, Y-R-R-N-D. But they say, in the minority here, but it's my least favorite. It struggles between focusing on new new or legacy characters. Jill is not a very interesting protagonist, and it's shot with some Vaseline filter that looks horrible. (laughs) <laughs> that said, Kirby is great, and she's the best part of the movie.
2: Agree that Kirby is great. I will disagree, because I do think that Jill is a fantastic villain. But, you know, I do think that Scream 4 does have... Well, they
1: said s- protagonist, not villain.
2: Prota- okay. <laughs> I guess as a protagonist, yeah, she's pretty weak and uninteresting. But as a villain, she's awesome. Agreed. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, but, yeah, it... Look, I think that Scream Four has some of its issues, and it's a little bit lower on my list, so I totally get where they're coming from. But I think I missed the whole lens thing. That's your bag.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> I already <laughs> said I already <laughs> said my piece on the lens. Uh, but but no, I mean I do agree. You know, I do agree that like the uh, the, the new characters maybe aren't all well-developed you know again i think i think kirby's character was going through rewrites during the production so oh. so and, and hating panteria as far as i understand was kind of pissed off about that yeah emma roberts jill i think is not fully defined as well as they could be part of that's because they're the killer so it's kind of hard to you know <laughs> spend a of, lot of time kind with of them. Hard to spend a lot of time with them and not make them suspicious you know but, but but like i was saying before i i think for me you know i just i look at it less like a remake or a reboot and in that sense, if I look at it more like a sequel, I'm less bothered by the fact that new characters don't stand out as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do get what Halloween Year Around is saying. You know, if we are looking at this as a reboot, which is kind of what it was at the time, then, yeah, you probably should have made the characters a little bit stronger, more standout, a little bit stronger. But that Vaseline filter's fucking terrible. I hate it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, thank you at Halloween Year Around for the comment. Appreciate it. And then last thing we got is, you know, every month. We like to kind of rank all the films that we've talked about for the month and what we, you know, kind of where they all fall for us. And we're going to do a little bonus for you and include Scream 5 in this ranking, which we did not <laughs> talk about for the month. Who knows when we'll ever talk about Scream 5 again. And we might as well rank it with the franchise <laughs> while we're here. So <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, So, so what is your final Scream ranking at the moment? <laughs>
2: okay, so at the moment, um, I would like to revisit Scream 5 at some point in time. But at the moment, coming in at number five is Scream 5. Look, I did not. No spoilers,
1: remember. I'm not
2: going to spoil it. I'm just saying I wasn't a huge fan. I think that it had more issues than any of the other Scream films. So, yeah, you're number five. Mm. Number four, look, my Scream ranking is based on how mean they are because I don't love mean slasher films. So, number four is Scream 4 for me. It's fantastic. I love Jill as the killer, but it is really mean and so not one of my favorites. Coming at number three is Scream Two, because look, I like this one, but they put through the Ringer in this movie and it makes me feel bad. Although I would Bear. I would argue that this is one of the better openers because Maureen's opener is so just emotional. Yeah. All right, coming at number two is Scream Three. Look, I'll fight you guys. I love this movie. <laughs> it's so fun. I you're, love. You're,
1: you're probably the only one with Scream Three too. But that's okay. I'm okay with that
2: because I love Parker Posey. Like, look, this is the closest Scream comes to having a Friday the Thirteenth like slasher film, and that's just going to endear it to my heart. They're all dum-dums, and I, I love them. I, I,
1: I will say for anyone listening, if you, if you know Chris personally, you're not surprised by Scream Three being <laughs> no. that far up there.
2: <laughs> no, I am. I like my slashers fun and stupid. No um, and obviously, number one is the original Scream. You just you don't fuck with the original.
1: Indeed. Um, so, so I, I, I also have five at the bottom, and <laughs> I know that they're married lot of, for a reason. I know that there are a lot of people that that will disagree with me, and so again, without spoilers, I will just say that as of right now, and like any Scream film, I think you have to revisit them and kind of really deconstruct them to fully appreciate them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. But as of right now, I just think that, like I said, I think Scream Four tackled some topics that Scream Five does a lot better, <laughs> and uh, and I just thought I'm going to be honest. I thought Scream Five is kind of lazy in a lot of the in a lot of areas, and yep. and that's just me. And we'll talk about that if we ever talk about <laughs> Scream Five here. But <laughs> I did not hate it. I enjoyed it. I think every Scream film, even at its worst, is still a great time. So. Mm-hmm. So I'm not like Scream Five sucks, you know. I'm not I'm not one of those people, but it was not my favorite. Yeah. The the point that I will give to Scream Five though is finally, for fuck's sake, we get some goddamn representation <laughs> in Scream Five <laughs> because you know e- even even though we've had some representation here and there in the sequels, you know, like like Scream Two has some black characters that actually live, mm-hmm. uh, but but for the most part though, Scream has always been so heavily white, <laughs> Just a very- and. And, and it, just, it was so refreshing to see a new Scream and be like, finally, a Scream that looks like America. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the
2: entire cast doesn't glow in the dark.
1: Right. That's what you get for the fucking Weinsteins producing <laughs> these movies for two decades, yeah. right? So anyway, um, so yeah, it's at the bottom. Uh, and then comes Scream 3 for all the obvious reasons, you know. Parker I, Posey. Parker Posey's great. I love Scream 3. I think it's way more fun than people give her credit for. Uh but it's also super weak on the kills. <laughs> the 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 killer's reasoning is pretty dumb. <gasps> <laughs> you take
2: that back. I love Roman.
1: I will not take that back. Roman's dumb. The the, the reasoning's dumb. Roman <laughs> has
2: a theme song, you Philistine.
1: I don't care. Uh <laughs> it's, it's all. It's all just very like. Eh, it doesn't. It kind of works, but not quite. But it's still a great movie. Uh, and then comes Four at number three. Uh, again, I think that Four just does so much well. And I think if it wasn't for that fucking light filter, uh, <laughs> I might appreciate the movie a little bit more. But <laughs> and, and then Scream Two. I think Scream Two is a great sequel. It it does everything that it says sequels are supposed to do: bigger, better, more expl. Well, not better, but more explosive, <laughs> bloodier kills, more intense. You know. I think it does all that kind of stuff. I, I love a lot of the set pieces in it. And then Scream 1, of course, is, you know, my number one. It's yeah. just it, it, so few films have ever come close to the iconic status that Scream is at at this point uh, for a reason. It changed the genre as we know it. it. It rejuvenated the slasher genre at the time. You know, the slasher genre was still in existence, but it had kind of fallen out of favor with society. And this Scream kind of brought it roaring back, you know, with like <laughs> Urban Legend and I Know What You Did Last Summer and all these movies that came out after so, it's Scream. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that is going to do it for us on Scream 4 and our Scream month. So, hopefully, you enjoyed that. Hopefully, uh, we we brought some new and fun stuff to the conversation with these movies. And so, next month, uh, our theme has not yet been decided. We currently have a poll up for that going. Uh, it will be decided by the time you're listening to this, though. So, Hopefully we'll have an announcement soon on what we'll be talking about in February. Uh, But without all that being said, uh, again, I hope you enjoyed that. And so I'm Matt.
2: And I'm Chris.
1: And have a good night, horror fans.
2: Bye.
0: I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at KillerFromSpace, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore horror underscore critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled. Just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans.